know, I know for me, man, I felt that. Like, I seen Jesus. You know what I mean? Not like literally speaking, but it's like I did, I see them spiritually in a sense of that's what he did for me. Amen? That's what he did for all of us. You know, so if, if those of you guys were there, I'm talking about just meditate on that, man, because that's what he went through and even worse. Right? That was just, you know, a little bit going to going to the, uh, the cross and, and doing this thing on the cross. But he was beaten. He was whooped. He took one, as we call right, taking one for the team. He took one for the whole world, literally. All right, man? So let's give it up for Jesus. He, that's who he's about. Amen? <laughs> Praise God, man. So as you guys can see on the board, uh, if you guys can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9. And I know we took a break from the uh, from the series last week in order to do the uh, the lock-in, which is an amazing job, right? And these elites, the purpose of them is to preach the gospel, and I think we did a good job on preaching the gospel out there, right? Um, so yeah, we're going to continue on going within our series, and today, uh, the series, you know, let us pray. The title is called "Outcome of Prayer," right? Somebody say "Outcome of Prayer." Right, so we're about to get real serious real fast, amen? So, come on, somebody. So if you can go to that first slide, this is basically going to be like a, a recap, getting to where we're at right now, just to kind of refresh your memory on what we've been talking about in regards to prayer, right? Everybody can see this, right? Give me an amen if you guys can see it. Come on. All right, so this is what it says, Matthew 6, 9, right? The disciples asking Jesus, uh, you know, how do we pray? They're watching Jesus do his thing, right? He's always praying before, you know, he wakes up early in the morning and he goes out and he prays. And then when he comes back, the disciples are looking for him early in the morning like, man, dude, like, where where you been? Like, where do you go every morning? You know what I mean? And the thing is, he wasn't going to the temple like they were doing back in the days. He was going off into a certain mountain or into a certain location that he was familiar with. And he would pray there by himself to the father. So he would go out and pray. And they're looking at him like, dude, like, where have you been? You know, like, and, and, and a lot of times in the Gospels, they're like, people are looking for you, you know, things like that. And Jesus is like, look, I'm about my father's business. He's sitting there praying and working it out, right? And this is what happens on the sermon. It's, it's going through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and he's talking about different things within the church, right, or within the body of Christ, within his purpose coming on earth, right? And uh, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And now he gets to chapter 6. And, and he, he asked, they asked him, according to Luke uh, chapter 11, Lord, how do we pray? And this was his response. Matthew 6, 9, it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be kept your name. And we talked about that first week, how God is our Father, indicating a relationship, right? And then in the second part, holy be kept his name, that we should keep his name holy, so when we're in prayer and we're, we're on our knees or whatever you're doing right, according to the verses above, verse 9, it says to go into your room, close the door behind you so you can leave out all worries, all anxieties, all the distractions, all right? Like I want to play Xbox or, man, I just want to eat some dinner. We're leaving all the distractions outside. We go into our room. We're alone with God in the secret, right, in the secret places they call it, right, or your prayer closet. And you pray to God and Jesus saying, this is how you should start off. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, or, or holy be kept your name, right? So this is not like something that we say verbatim. Verbatim means like word for word. We don't go in there and start chanting a prayer. Do you guys feel me? We don't go in there like, oh, and we start repeating this prayer about three or four times like Catholics do with the Hail Mary and the Rosary. It's not that kind of party. He's not teaching that. In fact, he's teaching the opposite of that, right? So he's just giving what we will call a blueprint of prayer. But not just a blueprint of prayer as we've been learning throughout the weeks, but it's a blueprint of how a believer should live his life, right? And based off his prayer life, his life, right, as far as actions is concerned, should be a reflection of his prayer life, right? So when we go in there and we kick it off, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, it's talking about Jesus' kingdom coming down, his will being done, and us being the representatives on earth and, and bringing in the kingdom of heaven and bringing in the will of God. So we're basically, as we talked about, co-citizenships, basically we're citizens in heaven and on earth. And we ought to be the vessels in which God works through to show how his kingdom is. 
right? So on earth, if you went like, let's say to China or something like that, you'll be representing how America is. You talk like America, right? You walk like America. You know what I mean? Your, your morals, your standards are based on America, right? Like, so let's say like homosexuality, things like that, as you go to other countries, even over Christians, right? But just as like a general sense of America, we're, you know, America's like, yes, homosexuality, right? Yes to sin. Yes to, you know, smoking weed. Yes to all type of craziness, right? So when you go to other countries, that's how you're representing America, right? In the sense of generally, not saying the body of Christ, not saying Christians. We're against all that, amen? But to give you an idea of what's going on, when you go over there, you're bringing America with you. It's almost like that saying, how many heard that saying, you can take somebody out the hood, but you can't take the hood out that person? How many know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all hood right now. Right in your seat, you're hood. Like, man, see, you don't even know, but I'm still hood, like real talk. Don't worry about it, it's good. I'm still hood too. <laughs> and I can admit that I'm hood for Jesus, all right? And ain't no shame in that. There's no shame. You know, I love Jesus, right? So the thing is, we are that vessel that God works through, right, to bring his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We represent that. We bring that. Then la the, uh, last, uh, the week before last, we talked about give us today our daily bread. And basically what that was, it was not a tangible bread that we eat, right, some gummy bears or some whatever you guys like, you know, not that kind of party. But it's talking about the grace of God, God giving us everything we need for that day. Not what we need for the next week, not what we need for last week, but giving us everything we need for that day. And what Jesus was trying to say was that on a daily basis, we ought to be fed by God Almighty and not by Facebook. Not by the devil. Not by a sinner. Not by sin. Not by pornography. Not by all these other things. Because our body gets hungry. Right, not to, I'm not I'm talking about food because yes, it gets hungry for food, and God provides that too. Amen. How many going home tonight and about to eat some dinner? Right, they tearing it up. Some of y'all eating Mexican, right? Some of y'all eating pizza. Matter of fact, a lot of us probably eating pizza, right? But it's okay. God provides, and we eat that sucker, right? But the thing is, Jesus was talking about something more deep, more in in the in the fast in the fashion of our relationship with God Almighty here on earth and how we ought to live our life. And what was he saying was, instead of going to be fed by the world, instead of going to be fed by sin and having the need to be clingy to a boyfriend or a girlfriend, having the need to be fed by selfish desires and pleasures, God is saying, come and feed off me. So when you're angry and about to go at it with this dude, instead of feeding off your anger, you go to Jesus and feed off his righteousness. Right? Instead of falling into sin and doing what the, what the body wants you to do, right, and think about the, 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 the bad things that the body wants you to think about, we go to God and we say, God, help me with my thoughts. God, help me with my actions. That is how we get fed by God Almighty. But we also talk about there was a flip side to that, right, that there's two people trying to feed us and desire to feed us, and the other one is the devil. And he'll come and say, man, you're going through a thing. You know, you're, you're having some depression. Here, smoke some weed. And he'll tempt you with the, with the sin of smoking drugs, right? If you're going through a thing and you're feeling lonely, go and have some sex. And he'll tempt you with sex and actually know you're having sex with some person. And then the list goes on. Just think about it. The list can go on and on and on. So then it brings us to today. And today it says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And I want to keep reading from there before I expound on this. Next week's uh, sermon is going to be, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then verse 14 and 15, I want you guys to catch this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the only verse that we're going to talk about today that Jesus Christ continues to talk about and expounds on. He didn't expound about, the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, God being our Father and holy is his name and his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. But this verse, and forgive us our debts as we also have, as we also have forgiven our debtors, he talks about this verse and expounds after the, the, the Lord's prayer. So he's trying to show us the importance of this verse, that he took his time to reiterate it one more time and repeat it, and he breaks it down for us. How many know Jesus Christ did not do that on accident? He didn't just show favoritism to this verse and say, well, you know, I feel like saying this again, just because. 
No. He said it because there's a vital reason and a perspective that God is trying to teach us in this verse, and that is what we're going to talk about today. The, pray, the, uh, the title of this message is called Outcome of Prayer. We've been talking about how to pray, why to pray, when to pray, right? And this week is the outcome of our prayer. I want you guys to keep in mind that Jesus Christ did not give us a, just a blueprint of prayer. But he gave us a blueprint of how we ought to live our life. And that's what we've been talking about these last weeks. Not just a matter of prayer, even though prayer should always go before us. We should always be praying according to Paul in the Bible. He said pray without ceasing, meaning pray without stopping. Right? Prayer is obviously important. But Jesus Christ is trying to show us something that prayer and lifestyle must go together. And in this prayer, it wasn't just a prayer just to be praying, but he was trying to give us and unlock the treasures of heaven to us and his purposes for our life. It was a blueprint for our life and the way we ought to live, not just a blueprint on how we ought to pray. All right, how many is with me so far? Amen? And it goes on. I want to break. These, these two can be broken down in two sections. One, and forgive us our debts. In the strong dictionary, debts means something owed, a due, morally, a fault, a debt, right? In Luke, if you go to uh, Luke in the version of this same prayer, it talks about sin, right? Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, right? So we can use sin there, but the point, the, the, the thought of it, right, is that debt. When you have a debt, it's something that you owe, and it's something that accumulates over time. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? How many people in debt right now? It's okay. Don't be ashamed. It's all right. It's what it is, right? Some of us are in debt financially. Some of us are in debt because we ate too much, right? Come on, somebody. And we got to pay for that, right? We've been eating donuts and, and stuff like that for about five years, and now we're reaping that harvest of donuts eating, right? So the thing is, there's a debt going on. And within sin, with sin itself, there's a debt happening between us and God when we continue to sin. You see, in one day, that debt got to, to such a degree that the time came where Jesus Christ himself came back to die for our sins and pay the debt in which we were supposed to pay. And then comes the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what gospel means, right? So he paid that debt in which we were supposed to pay. Keep that in mind with debt, right? So it goes on in Matthew chapter 6, 12 in the Amplified Bible, which breaks down the Greek and the Hebrew a little bit better. It says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors or letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. You see, something's going on here. The wrong and the resentment. Number two, the second part of it is as we also have forgiven our debtors, indicating a following of suit or a doing as was done to us or as we do it to others, it is done to us. Right? And I'm going to start getting into some really deep stuff here now, right? I want to try to get to the message so you guys can really pay attention to this part. It's about to get real. Matthew 6.14 in the Amplified Bible says this. If you can go on to the next one, I think. Is it there? Go to the next one, please. The next slide. There you go. And the Bible says, for if you forgive others their, their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. You see, this is a scary thing. This is a scary thing because it's talking about us paying for our own sins when we don't forgive other people. You see, but there's two interpretations that I want to talk about, but let me hit on this first one first, just to plain, bold what it's saying, right, as far as the context in here. That if we don't forgive other people's their sins, God will not forgive us of our sins. You see, the problem with that is that when God is not forgiving your sins, what's happening to yourself? Debt. And it continues to go on deeper and deeper and deeper. You see, and for some people, they leave the church altogether. For some people, they stop praying. For some people, they stop reading the Bible. And things start happening within your life that all of a sudden, those same people end up leaving the church altogether. And some of them, some of them even commit suicide. And say, how did it get that bad? 
It got that bad because they stopped forgiving others. They started to keep the wrongs and the records of wrongs that another person was doing within their life. And they started to get resentment. It's like a hate towards somebody else. You see, when somebody, when something like that starts eating us up from the inside, it changes not just the inside, but even the outside of our expressions. Have you ever seen somebody holding resentment against somebody else? They refuse to forgive them. Their face starts to warp. Wrinkles start to set, to set in. They always look angry all the time. They don't want to be around nobody. They don't trust nobody, let alone God Almighty. You see, that's one way to look at it, and it's scary because if God is not forgiving your sins based upon you not forgiving other people's sins, then who, who, who's going to be the one to die for your sins? Who takes the place of Jesus? You do. And you will begin to pay for that stuff. And I'm not talking about going to hell because we're saved by grace. But see, there's also a thing that the devil wants to do because he can't take our salvation unless we give it to him. But what happens is that he longs to give us hell on earth. He longs to have our, our, our ability to have pride toward other people and the ability to not forgive other people to allow that to kill us on the inside leading to the outside. That we start paying for this exact sins, not that we have done, but the sins that somebody else has done to us. You see, there's people in this room that are holding somebody hostage, or so you think so, even today. For some people, that individual already died and is in the grave six feet under, and yet and still, they're holding. That person that's in the grave still has a hold on your life. Some people, they, some of them left to Mexico, right? They crossed the border, got extradited or whatever, right? Caught up with Trump. He kicked them out, and they still have that type of, they still have that power on you. And with that power, every time the devil brings it back to your memory, he can do whatever he wants to do to you. Hate, resentment, bitterness, angry. I don't care about nobody. I just want to be with myself and all my cats. Right? You ever seen that cat person? All the cats. Nobody else in there. Just her and the cats. And you got to wonder, like, what you've been dealing with that has you in this position. You know what I mean? Just with cats. Forget humans. I trust cats. Cats only. I mean, this is kind of insanity that happens. But see, there's something else, the other spectrum, that I believe God really wants to touch on. And it's the fact that we really look at what's been going on within these, uh, this series as far as prayer to get us to this point. And you see, the first half is talking about God, his character, how he wants you to look at him, right? How he wants you to keep his name holy, how he wants you to be that vessel that God can work through in order for him to bring the kingdom of heaven, his will down on earth so other people can see his characters, his virtues, and how God Almighty is in heaven even now. He wants to use this for that, and that's what's talking about in the first half. But when you get to the second half, starting with verse 11, give us today our daily bread, now he's talking about us and what we should do, how we should be, how we should react to God and him showing himself in that first half of the Our Lord's Prayer. And now it starts getting real personal. And as they say, the rubber hits the road, and this is how it's hitting First, we got to right, start feeding off God and allowing God to be the one who is feeding us his goodness, his greatness, right? But then he goes on ahead and starts talking about forgiveness. But see, I don't think it's just about forgiveness. I, th I believe it's about actions. Look what he says closely. And forgive, us, uh, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. See, Jesus Christ was talking about something that was past tense. As we have forgiven our debtors, those that do wrong to us, those that treat us, those who continue to inflict pain and hurt into our lives. So based on this scripture and what Jesus Christ is saying, the only way for us to receive the first half of this scripture, which is our sins being forgiven, is that we first have to already be walking and forgiving other people and what they have done to us. Look at the verse again in the Amplified Bible. If we can look up here, right? This one. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their, transgress, their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins. He's talking about other people first, not us first. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's the second. That's the, if you do this, you'll get this. Are you guys following me? 
if you do this, you'll get this. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurts and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your father will not forgive you your trespasses. You see, what Jesus Christ was saying when we get to this part of the prayer is that it's not so much of what God is giving you, but it's a matter of how are you treating others and what you're giving them. You see, and right there, when it comes down to forgiveness, it's like, yes, God, I'll go to you, and I'll receive forgiveness, and I'll ask for forgiveness. Oh, no, but, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive them. Yes, God, I want you to treat me right. I want you to bless my life. I want you to do X, Y, and Z, but, God, I would not do it to somebody else. You see, and he's talking about actions within our lives. This right here, this scripture separates the real from the fake. It separates the real Christian from the fake Christian. See, because the fake Christian will take all the blessings you could give them. But, oh, when it's time to give it back, oh, no, no, you, you asking for too much. You in my pocket now. You messing with my money, right, as we say. Don't play with my money, right? Are you messing with my pride? You messing with my character? And a lot of us give excuses and we say, man, this is just how I am. This is just how I was brought up. I have an anger issue. Right? I had this, I had that. And we use that as a crutch to continue to do what we want to do. You see, but imagine if, all, if everybody else in the world had the same mentality. Let's say for myself, example, right? I was a gang member. Locked up, first degree attempt murder, right? Shooting somebody in the forehead. Wasn't a person, first person that do, you know, that happened to me or whatever with, right? I had a jacked up past, right? So imagine if your excuses, well, I always get angry. This is just who I am. you got to deal with it. But what about if the other person as myself as well? I like to treat people that are angry. I like to punch them in the face. I like to smack them. Is it okay then? Let's say you were the one that were angry, and I was the one that was violent. Would it still be okay? And then my excuse after I smack fire are you, right, is like, hey, dude, I just, this is who I am. This is, this is me. I like this. This is who I am. You got to respect who I am. You like to be angry. I like to smack people that are angry. Right? And now when that, when that thing turns around, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Now, hold on. Like, why you got to go there for? Right? Why can't you just be angry with me? Why you got to smack angry people? Like, that's not right. And we start looking at things and trying to bend the way, you know, other people are to only fit our own character. You see, but Jesus Christ is trying to challenge the believer just like he was trying to challenge his disciples. And if you can go on to the next one, this is what the questions that are asked. What has God forgiven you of? We are to always, we are to always realize the amount of debt or sin God has forgiven us from. Why? You see, we wonder, like, man, I want to forgive them. This person raped me when I was small. I don't want to forgive them, but I want God to forgive me. You see, we think like that. I can't forgive that person. They did my mom wrong, or they did my dad wrong, or they molested my brother or my sister. I'm not going to forgive them. You see, we think that we're doing something to them by that mentality. We think we're doing something. Like, we got the upper hand. While this dude is living in the building... Right, a house all by, you know, by himself, got a new wife, children, and he's living it up, riding in boats and stuff like that, having all type of s'mores, you know what I mean, in the nighttime, he's cooking that stuff up, and you're sitting there still thinking about what he did 18 years ago, what he did 15 years ago. You're still thinking about the dad that, that treated you wrong and, and abused you and this, all these other things, and he's not even in the picture anymore. And you're holding on to these things. And see, it's not as much as God is trying to treat you and say, you got to forgive them just because I forgive you. It's not that. It's just like the commandments of God Almighty. They're not there to limit us, right, from doing things or just having a blast. Man, God, why you got to go on ahead and put that scripture in there that we got to honor our mother and our father? Man, you bogus. No, man. Right? God, why you put that there that we can't kill nobody? Come on. You know this dude needs to be killed. I mean, we think that God is holding us back from these type of things, Right? Why you got to make these commandments, God? Thou shalt not steal. Lord, I had a chance to take all this money, God, and you want to put that commandment in just to limit me from having this money. That's not the case. Just like the commandments and just like God is saying now, those commandments were for us. Not to limit us, but to protect us. 
And the same way as those commandments were there to protect us, this verse and what Jesus Christ is trying to tell us, it's not for so much as to, like, stop you from having that offense to that other person. Like, God, I want to be like this. They don't deserve it. They deserve hell. They, don't, they deserve brimstone. They deserve to be cut in pieces and tossed into the oven. And they deserve to be eating like s'mores the way they're eating s'mores. No. God is like, I gave you this thing right here for your own good. You see, because in the end, the one who's truly suffering is you. It's you. It's me if I don't forgive. It's not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of setting you free from the pain that has been killing you for years. The pain that you hold on to because somebody did you wrong. I don't want to honor my mother and my father because they're bogus and they did this, and we hold on to that. Right, and what the thing is, that same relationship that we have with our parents and the way how we don't have a relationship with them, how we treat them with a distance or we only come to them based on what we want. Like, man, I got to talk to my mama now because graduation's coming up and I need this money so I can get my cabin gown and I got to get my hair did and I got to get my eyebrows done and these nails look bogus. I got to talk to mom now. I did graduation today, right? graduated X amount of students from our school. It was an awesome time, right? But I started to see the parents of my students, the same parents that these students, quote, unquote, hated. But yet these same students were suited and booted. I mean, they were, the fe- it was mainly the females. They had heels. I mean, talking about some nice stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not that guy. You guys understand? I'm, I'm not that guy. But when I see some nice heels, I'm like, man, that's some nice heels. Like, I like that stuff. You know what I mean? I see those pairs. I want my wife to get them, right? I see a dress looks nice. Hey, I want my wife, you know, my wife to look nice in that. You know what I mean? Let me hook her up, right? So the thing is, you see all this stuff, but then this is the same person that hated their parents. And you know what happens with those kind of relationships? It don't have to be a parent. It could be a brother, sister, whoever you're holding a grudge against. You know what happens with that kind of relationship? We keep that same relationship and treat God the same way. So we only go to God when we need something. But other than that, it's like, no, God, I don't want that relationship. No, God, I really don't want to talk to you. I really don't want that. And we bring that in there. And what God is saying, I want to set you free. I want to set you free from this false mentality or the schemes and the dilemma that that the devil himself gave you. The second one, letter B says, with the same mercy and forgiveness that was shown and given to us should be how we treat others in regards to mercy, grace, and forgiveness. You see, my wife always wondered, how can you forgive me so fast? Like, it could, I can treat you or whatever, five minutes later, bam, you're good, and you're coming over, you're hugging on me, and it's like, oh, yes, come on, you know, I mean, let's just chill, let's have a good night. And she always wondered, like, I'm, and she would even say, I'm not like you. Like, I don't forgive easy. How many females are like that, too? They don't forgive easy. Like, look, I ain't forgiving you, dude. Give me three weeks, and then I'll call you and send me a donor to something, and I'll, I'll be good. You know, send me some Starbucks. And we want something in return, right? But see, I see you over there. So the thing is, right, she's like waving her hand like, dude, I dealt with that today. You don't even know. We feel you, girl. We feel you. But the thing is, right, she always wondered that. And see, with me and the way God raised me up, I was a really, really bad guy, guys. Right? I mean, your pastor wasn't always a pastor. I was not born with some mic. I'm telling you guys. I was not born in a pastor's house. Right? I was a hood figure. All right? I got tattoos to prove it and tattoos that I have had to remove because they were bogus. Okay? I've been locked up 13 times. Last one was for a first-degree attempt murder. I didn't care about life. I didn't care about my own life. Right? I went through a thing. But see, God taught me something through that as God began to forgive every sin I have done. And what he taught me was that how dare me hold a grudge to somebody else when God has forgiven me of so much. You see, that's what helps us let go of those grudges and the things that the other person has done. When you realize how much God has forgiven you. So that when somebody offends you, right there and then, you're able to say, dude, I forgive you. Don't even worry about that stuff. Let's not talk about it. Let's go over here and just chill out, man. Let's go to the park. Let's just go hang out, dude. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't even talk about it, man. I forgive you, man. You see, we're able to do that because we recognize how fast God has forgiven us. And that is the mentality that we need to have. See, the dilemma here is, if you can go on to the next one, right? This is the dilemma. The devil's schemes. 
We assume that by not forgiving the other person that we get the upper hand. How many feel like that? Like, dude, I'm tired of you. I'm not going to forgive you. And the dude is like, man, shut up. And, but you really think you came up on this dude, right? Like, dude, I'm going to hold this forever until I die and beyond. I'm not going to forgive you. It's over. That's it. Never talk to me. Race my number, right? We do these things as though we're, like, really coming up. Like, we're really hurting this person, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all probably did it today. It's okay. Y'all seen that teacher gave you the F. You're like, I'm never going to forgive you for this F. Forget you. And, I, right, and we keep that grudge. And the thing is, all along, we think that we're doing something, but in fact, that is not true at all. In fact, the to- it's the total opposite. The devil uses this tactic to enslave us and keep us bound to him and to the other person spiritually and internally, including but not limited to emotionally bound. Every time we think about the situation, we begin to cry. Every time we remember how this individual just did me so wrong, and whatever you guys can put in your place, whatever you guys went through. And every time you think about it, you begin to cry. You begin to shrink back within yourself. And you think, I got him, though. I'm never going to forgive him. I'm never going to forget about it. It's over with. I got him, though. And all along, you're being lied to. It's a lie from the devil. And that's what's going on. Pride. We start to have pride. Like, no, I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to do my own thing. To hell with you. I'm going this way. And we condemn people to hell as though we're really doing something against them. The next one is depression. We fall into a depression state every time we think about how this person treat me. Every time we think about this group of people and how they use me. And we think by holding a grudge or unforgiveness toward them that we're getting the upper hand. But I come to tell you it's a lie for the devil family. You guys are holding grudges with your family members, your dad you never had, your X, Y, and Z. You're mad at Fido, and you kick him, and you think everybody else is the problem. And because if I hold this unforgiveness in me, I will win. You're losing. Because all these other people are free to do whatever they want to do, while you yourself are bound and in chains. Pride, depression, and bitterness, it runs and rules your life. Because you held on to somebody who has raped you. You held on to somebody who did you wrong. Your mother or your father, your brother or your sister. And you think you came up and God is saying, you're not, you have not come up, son or daughter. You haven't came up so much that you continue on sinning because you never forgive others. And because you never forgive others, it's hard for you to accept my forgiveness. And because it's hard for you to accept my forgiveness, you continue to ask for forgiveness for the same thing, never overcoming that sin because you cannot accept it because you never give it. See, God wants us to see his forgiveness by the way we forgive others so that we can recognize how much God has forgiven us and receive his forgiveness and freedom. So the question is, how much has God has forgiven you of? Think about it. What did you do today? What sin did you commit today? That is the question. What sin did you do yesterday? Right? How many people have you held in hostage into yourself and say, I will never forgive you? These are the questions. This is all the while we are never truly able to accept and receive forgiveness ourselves. God's purposes is this. Prayer, if you can go back. Yeah, there it is. Prayer of personal forgiveness helps us realize how much we have been forgiven and how much we should forgive others and set ourselves free from others' pain and hurt. If we could all stand, if I can get the band up here. See, church, it's easy to say that we're Christians. It's easy to say that we're forgiven and we're all good. But it's a whole other thing to forgive others and to live out what God has called us to live out. And that's what God wants to deal with today, family. He wants to deal with the fact of based on how you treat others, God will treat you. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about the mercy that you show others will be the same mercy I will show you. With that same mercy, if you're not being merciful to others, that is the same mercy you're going to receive from God himself. And you wonder why you feel like you're in chains every day. 
You wonder why you feel bound and you can't go forward in your Christian walk with Jesus. And he seems like he's always running ahead of you, and that's not the case. It's because you never want to walk in step with God. You never want to just listen to what he's saying. And what he's saying is, I want to forgive you of your sins. But you got to start forgiving other people as well. You got to treat others the way I want to treat you or the way you want me to treat you. It is not a one-way street, family. You need to let go of the burdens that have been bounding you up to this point. The hurt, the pain that was caused by somebody else and forgive them once and for all. And then accept God's forgiveness of your own sins. And then walk like that. Walk in victory. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Are our sins forgiven today? Do we hold grudges against anybody else? Have we been holding pain against somebody else or allowing that pain that was caused by somebody else to dictate how we trust God and how we trust others? Is there like a wall between you and God because of what somebody else did in your life? Think about it. With every eye closed, every bowed head. Have you been holding on to a grudge or unforgiveness against somebody else? Have you been having trouble accepting and receiving God's forgiveness? Then be set free by the power of God and accept God's forgiveness. And with that same forgiveness that has forgiven you, go and forgive others. Forgive others. See, I don't know what you're dealing with, family. I don't know what anybody else did with you. But in order for us to keep going in God, we have to deal with this situation. We have to deal with the pain that is in our hearts and give it to God. And today's that day. And if you want freedom in your life today, I'm talking about a freedom that will last for a lifetime and beyond then come up here and give it to Jesus. And then when you do that, ask God to forgive you of your sins and sin no more. That's what Jesus told the prostitute when she was caught in the act of prostitution. They brought her to Jesus, and he began to write in the sand. And they said, Jesus, according to the law, this woman is supposed to be stoned. She was caught committing fornication, adultery. She was the prostitute that had sex. And when Jesus put his head up, he said, you who have no sin, throw the first stone. And he went and he started writing again, whatever he was writing in that, in that thing. And the prostitute was standing in the middle. And one by one, people started walking away. They started to leave because they knew they were sinners themselves. They were dealing with sin themselves. And in the end, when Jesus looked up, the only person was there was the prostitute. And he said, is there no one here to condemn you? Is there no one here to stone you? And she said, no, everyone left. And he said, neither I then. Go. Your sins are forgiven, but sin no more. You see, I believe that woman walked away saved and did not live a lifestyle of sin anymore. Because right there and then, she accepted forgiveness herself. And she forgave her accusers who were there to stone her. And after that, Jesus said, now go and sin no more after he forgave her of sin. See, if you want to be delivered from sin once and for all, come up here and allow God to deliver you from what you've been holding on to somebody else, keeping unforgiveness in your heart. And then after that, experience the forgiveness God wants to give you of your sin so you can walk away and sin no more. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Freedom. 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 Freedom in his house. Freedom on earth as it is in heaven. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the bondage of the enemy. Freedom from forgiveness, pain, hurt, resentment, hate. Freedom from what you've been through in your past. I don't know who hurts you. I don't know what people have done with you. I don't know who bullied you. 
But God knows and God is saying, forgive that individual so that you can be forgiven and go and sin no more. That is the call today. That is the altar. And I would say, come. Whoever wants forgiveness, whoever wants to be set free, come. And deal with your sin at this altar and let God forgive you. Let God wipe away the pain that you've been keeping against somebody else at this altar. I don't care if you're a leader, a leader in training, a deacon, and whatever you want to call yourself. God is able to deliver you and set you free. And that is the call today. You see, I need deliverance myself. And that's why I meet you guys up here every time. Because I'm not exempt from the schemes of the devil and the lies of the enemy. He tempts me too. He comes at me too. But see, I know someone who is able to forgive sin. I know someone who can wipe away all the pain and hurt that somebody has caused me. And his name is Jesus. When you guys come up here and meet me in this front, and let's go talk with Jesus. Let's meet with Jesus. This altar's open. And let's just go together, amen? Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. God, we come humbly, God, to your throne, God. And we come confidently, God, because you give ear to our prayer, God. And Lord, we have hurts inside of us, God, that have dictated our life up to this point, God. We have hurts, Lord God, that we have built walls up, Lord God, against, Lord God. And because we have built these walls, you were not able to fully come into our hearts, God. God, I pray that today, God, these walls will be teared down, God. I pray that today, God, you will set us free and start with me, God. Forgive me of every sin, every iniquity, God. God, as I forgive others who have sinned and wronged me, God. I forgive that person, God, who molested me, Lord God, when I was 10 years old, God. I forgive her, Lord God, and I pray, God. Have mercy on her, God, in the name of Jesus, God. And I pray, God, give me a life of purity, God. Give me a life, Lord, that is sold out to you, God. Have your way in my life, God, in Jesus' name. And elevate, I don't know what you're going through, but confess it to the Lord. Let God deal with your heart, deal with your character, deal with your thoughts, deal with your emotions. Let them set you free. Jesus' name, hallelujah.
know there's some people here who have habits of sin, who have strongholds and footholds by the devil himself because somebody exposed you to pornography. Somebody exposed you to sex. Somebody exposed you to drugs. And you started to hold on to these things. And these things started to dictate your life. And they started to consume you and take over you. And God is saying, come and get freedom today. Come and let him set you free. Whatever that is, whatever addiction you're going through, whatever habit, whatever sexual sin you got, God is saying, come and get freedom. Come and let him take it all from you and give you a new heart and a new mind that will set you free. Some of you have mindsets based off somebody that hurts you. And your mindset is all off. It's all off God's will. It has nothing to do with God. It's to continue to hold you down. And God is saying, get freedom. Get free today. Free for that mindset. Free from that, that, that habit that you're going through. God is saying he wants to give you freedom. Freedom today.
Every change.